for the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 13. The book of 2 Samuel chapter number 13. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. We are going to read down and include verse 19. This morning I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Bible says, Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother Shimei. And one day Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. And when your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants, and so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, Come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried, don't be foolish, don't do this to me. Such wicked things are not done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate. And he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried, sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servants and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. 
This morning I'm using for my subject, the title of my message today, The Enticement. The Enticement. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing will rest upon the message and rest upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, give us ears upon our hearts today. God, I just pray today that you will help us, Lord. Help us, oh God, to be quick, Lord, to discern the enticements of the enemy and quick, Lord, to shun them. God, I just pray that you will do your work in this house. All for the glory of God we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. May I tell you today that Satan's job is a job of enticement. His job is to make sin look appealing. And may I say that Satan is good at his job. Now in the story that that we just read, David's David's oldest son, Amnon, raped his half-sister, Tamar. And he was eventually murdered for his actions by his half-brother, Absalom. And this all began with the enticement of Satan. There's seven things that that, that I see in this story, seven things I want to call your attention to, and, and then I want us to see how they apply to us. The first thing that I, that I see in this story, and that is I, I see the object, and it's found in verse number one, the object. Now the enticement for Amnon was lust. Truth is, lust is every man's battle. A man that doesn't have to battle Lusting after a beautiful woman, he's got bigger problems. Just saying. That being said, the object of enticement is different for every person. James says, in James chapter 1 and verse number 14, he says that everyone is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I want you to notice the phrase, by his own desires. You see, what is an object of enticement for one may or may not be an object of enticement for another. For one, it might be alcohol. For another, it it might be pornography. And and still another, it, it might be power. It might be control. For still another, it might be greed. It might be jealousy. It might even be a position. Satan knows us and he knows us well. And as I said, he's good at his job. And and the devil knows which carrot to dangle in front of us. Would you like to know which carrot Satan dangles in front of me? I bet you would. I just bet you would. The second thing that I I see in this story is the obvious. And the obvious is found in verse number 2. You see, Tamar was Amnon's half-sister. Sex between family members was strictly forbidden by the law. 
You would think that Amnon would be too smart to get caught up in this obvious trap. But here's what I know. Satan tempts us with the obvious by trying to justify it. Satan is quick to take advantage of every situation. For instance, if a man and wife is having trouble in their marriage, the devil will entice the man to have an affair. And he will justify it by saying to that man, Well, a man has his needs, you know. Your wife is not meeting your needs. And he will say to the wife in this struggling marriage, He won't talk to you. He won't listen to you. The devil will say, it's okay to see somebody else because, because you just need someone to talk to. You need somebody that understands you. The devil will say, it's okay because you need somebody right now in your life and your husband is not there for you. See, it was obvious that Tamar couldn't be to Amnon, what Amnon was thinking and wanting and desiring. But somehow the devil was able to justify in Amnon's mind something that was so obviously wrong. And so he does with us. How many times when the lid comes off of something? How many times when, when, when something sinful is exposed in somebody's life? How often do people think and say, what in the world was he thinking? What in the world was she thinking? How many times have we said, wow, that, that is such a no-brainer. That is so obviously wrong that a four-year-old ought to know better. And yet over and over and over again, the devil convinces people to sin when the sin is so obviously wrong. And yet the devil has convinced the guilty to justify their actions. The third thing that I see in the story is the obsession. It's also found in verse 2. May I tell you this morning, it's not bad thoughts that get us into trouble. That everyone experiences bad thoughts. That it's the devil's job to place bad thoughts in our mind. It's not bad thoughts that get us into trouble. It's what we do with bad thoughts that determine if it's sin or not. Amen. Satan brought images to Amnon's mind that were X-rated. But that wasn't sin. That wasn't Sin, it became sin when Amnon rewound the X-rated video and played it over and over and over and over again in the theater of his mind. May I tell you, you have not sinned when you have a bad thought pass through your mind. It only becomes sin when you trap that thought and you keep it in your mind and you begin to obsess over it. Whether that be a lustful thought or a jealous thought, a malicious thought. The fourth thing that I find in this story is the observer. The observer, and you find him in verses 3 and 4. 
Amnon's best friend, who happened to be his cousin. Observe the actions of Amnon, how that Amnon was was depressed and how Amnon was down and discouraged and, 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 and kind of sickly and, 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 and Amnon's best friend and cousin recognized that something was wrong with him. And so he asked Amnon, what in the world is going on? What's the matter with you? What's happening here? And when Amnon told his friend about his sinful desires towards his half-sister, instead of a, of a rebuke, instead of a slap upside the head... Like a true friend would give. Instead of the wake up call that Amnon needed, Jonadab encouraged Amnon to pursue this wicked path that he was traveling on. This is the very reason why I constantly, constantly stand up here and tell you over and over. And over and over again. And I'm telling you one more time. Be very, very careful who you allow in your inner circle. Love everybody. You should love everybody. But not everybody deserves to be in your inner circle. Not everybody deserves the right to speak into your life. Understand this this morning, just as God places people into our life to help us, so the devil places people into our life to hinder and hurt and harm. And you'll eventually, I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it five thousand more before the next ten years up, but you will eventually become like the people you hang out with. See, I wasn't always this good looking. I hang around good looking people. It makes me better looking. You will eventually become like the people you hang out with. So be very careful who you hang out with. If you hang out with negative people, you eventually will get that negative spirit from them onto you. And you'll become a negative person. You hang out with bitter people. You hang out with them long enough, you in turn will become a bitter person. On the other hand, if you hang out with people of wisdom, you will eventually become a person of wisdom because you will get some of the wisdom from them into your life. If you hang out with godly people, you yourself will become a godly person. You see, the devil will place people in your life. He will place people in your life to confuse you, to misdirect you, to influence you, to do wrong. When I was growing up and when I became a teenager, my daddy had one, well, he had a lot of rules. My dad was a rule man. But one of the rules that my father had was, was that us boys, that I, as a teenage boy, I could not be in the car with more than one boy at a time. I couldn't be, if there's a carload of boys, I couldn't be. And if my daddy caught me in a carload of boys, because a carload of boys are headed for trouble most of the time. Because out of a carload of boys, somebody's got some mischief up their sleeve. 
And there's a leader somewhere. And it's follow the leader. And the devil will place people in your life to confuse you, to misdirect you, to influence you, to do wrong. All right. Now listen, this is good right here, so, so pay attention. You might say, Pastor, how do I know, how do I know if the people in my life, how do I know if they've been placed there by God or by the devil? How do I know? Let me help you. Do they help or do they hinder? Do they build you up or do they tear you down? Do they bring righteousness with them or do they bring wickedness with them? Are they drawing you closer to God or are they pulling you away? I can't tell you how many times I've seen that in 40 years of ministry. Somebody that was doing so good. Walking with God, fellowshipping, communing with God, coming to church, giving in the offering, worshiping, volunteering. Oh, they were doing awesome. And then all of a sudden they started hanging out with so-and-so. And you could just kind of see them. It just started by, they started, they stopped sitting in the front and started sitting in the back. They stopped tithing. They stopped coming back on Wednesday night. Just. Because of the influence. Of someone that the enemy of their soul. Had put in their life. Hey here's a good one this morning. Here's a good one. Ask yourself. We're trying to decide whether this person has been sent by God or by the devil. Here's a good one. Do they bring clarity or confusion to your life? Do they bring clarity or do they bring confusion? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 says, God is not the author of confusion. Well, I ask you this morning, if God is not the author of confusion, who is? Friend, if somebody is causing confusion in your life, that person has not been sent to you by God. They have been sent to you. They have been planted in your life by the enemy of your soul. And you need to break away from that person. We're talking about the enticement this morning. Well, I know church people pretty good. No doubt some of you are sitting here pretty smug today thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good. Because there's just no enticement for me in what Amnon did. What is the preacher preaching about this anyway? I'm not tempted to or enticed to commit adultery or to rape my half-sister. Well, Neither was Amnon at first. I, I don't know, but, but in my mind, there's no doubt that it all began with just a harmless thought, kind of like, Man, my half-sister's kind of cute. But 
But day after day after day after day, he allowed impure thoughts in his mind until they actually became an obsession and this was all that he could think about. Well, perhaps you this morning would never have a problem in this area. But listen, it could be something as simple as jealousy. Somebody received the promotion that you thought you deserved. Oh, something good happened to one of your family or one of your friends. And you are jealous of their good fortune and you think it ought to be happening to me, not happening to them. It starts out innocent enough, but you continue to think about it and continue to dwell on it until it absolutely becomes an obsession. You see, the devil knows our weaknesses and he plays on them. And he knows what to use as an object of enticement for us. The fifth thing that I find in this story is the obstacle, and it's found in verse 5. The obstacle. You see, what Amnon wanted from his, his half-sister was strictly forbidden. There were many obstacles that stood between him and his evil and wicked desires. But Jonadab, his cousin and best friend, planted in his life by the devil, he would help Amnon get beyond the obstacle. Let me tell you that Satan will help you plan your sin. He will give you evil and wicked ideas. He will place his people in your life to help you navigate into evil and wicked and wrongful areas. Areas that you have no business in. Areas that will lead you farther and farther and farther away from the Father. And closer and closer and closer and closer to the enemy of your soul. You see, it's God's It's God's job to place obstacles in our path to keep us out of certain areas. It's Satan's job to help us remove or hurdle or go around the obstacles. There were many obstacles that stood between Amnon and his impure desire for Tamar. But Amnon embraced Satan's plan. The plan that came through his friend Jonadab. And Amnon sidestepped all of the obstacles that God had put in his place. Let me ask you this morning, how many times has God placed obstacles in your path? All the warning signs were there. All the lights were flashing and the, all the bells and whistles were going off in your spirit. You saw the keep out sign. You saw the bridge out ahead sign. All the barrels and the orange cones were out. All the warning signs were there. But you barreled on through and ignored every single one of them. The sixth thing that I see in this story is the obscene. The obscene, it's found in verses 6 through 14. The Bible says that Amnon tricked his sister into his bedroom. And there he raped her. His sister, half-sister, but his sister. As a brother, his job was to protect her. As a brother, his job was to keep her safe and keep her secure. As a big brother, his job was to watch out for her. But Amnon, who should have been her protector, became 
her perpetrator. Listen to me, people. We have no idea how far sin can actually take us. And we have no idea just how ugly sin can get. Oh, oh I know. I, I, I know. No one ever thinks it can ever happen to them. Who knows, perhaps even Amnon in the story once had this thought. It will never happen to me. This will never get out of him. Oh, yes, I am thinking about it. Yes, I, uh, yes I'm, uh, I'm fantasizing about it. But it's, it doesn't hurt anything. It's just what's going on in my mind. It'll never happen to me. It'll never take place. This is why we must be very, very quick to recognize even the very smallest of sin in our lives. And this is why we need to be praying and asking God on a regular basis. To show us even the smallest of sin and wrongful desires or deeds that are in our life. David prayed in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God. Search me, God. Oh, this is David's prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And God, point out anything in me that is offensive to you. I challenge you to make that your daily prayer. God, search my heart. Search my life. God, is there something there? It's so easy, it's so easy to see the speck in somebody else's eye. So easy to detect the faults and flaws and failures of everybody else. Why not pray every single day, God, search my heart. God, search my life. God, is there something there? It scares me because I know the things that are there. I know the things that are there in my life. I know what the carrot is that dangles before me. I know what it is. It scares me to think about those things that I don't know about. If I ask you, you could tell me. And some of you would love to. Hardly a day goes by that I don't ask the Lord to cleanse me. Hardly a day ever goes by that I don't ask the Lord to wash my mind and wash my ears and wash my tongue and wash my hands. Wash my feet in the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't know what a rascal I'd be if I didn't pray that every single day. Because you see, sin begins as a very small seed. But if that seed is left there, oh, if it is watered and if it is fertilized, it will grow into something that you would never, ever even imagine. No doubt as Amnon fantasized time and time and time again, yet he probably never thought even one time that he would one day end up raping his own sister. Once again, let me say we have no idea how far sin can actually take us. And we have no idea just how ugly sin can get. Hallelujah. And the last thing that I see in this story, number seven, I see the outcome 
And the outcome of his story is found in verses 15 through 39. How many understand that the devil is a liar? Don't you understand that he cannot pull off what he promises? Let me tell you, he doesn't intend to. No doubt, time after time after time, Amnon fantasized about what it would be like to be with his half-sister Tamar. No doubt, Satan told him how great it would be and, and how life without intimacy with her would just not be worth living. Over and over and over again in the theater of his mind, he plays it out. Oh, oh, but the moment that the act was over, he knows what a fool he was. He had been duped and deceived. And the very thing he once desired, he now despises. Let me tell you, that thing that you fantasize about, that carrot that dangles before your eyes, that which the devil uses as the object of your enticement, let me tell you, uh, you think you desire it, you think it's so good, you think it's going to be so wonderful, you think, wow, wouldn't that be great, wouldn't that be awesome, wouldn't that be incredible? But let me tell you, let me tell you, that once you've experienced it, the very thing that you desire, will be the thing that you despise. Oh, that alcohol that you crave. Oh, man, that's my answer. But every time when you end up and you wake up, you despise it. That pornography, that pornography that you get out at 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody else is asleep and you get on the computer and you look around, make sure nobody's looking. Ah, you need the high that's going to come from that. And yeah, you get the high when the high is over. The very thing that you wanted so bad and you desired so much, you now despise. I know this sermon's for the second service, right? I mean, I'm just warming up for them, okay? I know all the perfect saints come to the first service. The very thing that he once desired, he now despises. Get her out of here! Get her out of here! He screams. Get her out of my sight and bolt the door behind her! We yield to the enticement of the devil. The outcome is never good. The sad thing is when we yield to Satan's enticements, it's not just us that is affected. Amnon's sin, his sin, not only destroyed his own life, but also the life of many others. Tamar's life would never be the same again, ever. David... David's life would be affected. Amnon's half-brother Absalom would get involved in this family crisis and would eventually murder him. No wonder God hates sin. No wonder God 
page said, oh, we think of God as this big bad bully in the sky with this big billy club and anything we want to do. God said, no! (laughs) And we think he delights in telling us, no! It's not that way at all. He's our heavenly father. And he knows what you think you desire, you will eventually despise. And he knows the outcome of sin. And he says no, not as being mean, not as being authoritative. He says no, because he knows what is going to happen, not only to us, but what is going to have a domino effect and how many people are going to be involved and affected because of our sin. Somebody said it well when they said no man is an island. Everything we do affects others. Think about that. The next time Satan entices you to sin. Because your sin is not just going to affect you. It's going to affect your mate. It's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your grandchildren. It's going to affect your friends. It's going to affect your work. We could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning. Perhaps no one in this room today would be enticed to do what Amnon was enticed to do. But all of us are enticed by Satan in one area of life or another. And the question is not, are you enticed? Rather, the question is, how are you handling The enticements of Satan. Everyone standing with me this morning, please. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning. Father, this word that, Lord, I believe is is a message from the very throne of God today. God, I pray today, Lord, that we will listen. We will take the word of God as a warning today. your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this room today. Nobody's looking about and everybody's being reverent in the presence of God today. The altar call is twofold today. First of all, this morning I want to ask you today. How many of you today would be honest enough and bold enough today to raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else but raise your hand at this time but you would raise your hand and in so doing you are, you, are, you are saying that I have yielded I have yielded to the enticement of the enemy and I need to repent this morning I've yielded to the enticement of the enemy and I need to repent all over this room God bless you and you and you and you and you this morning you can put your hands down now how many others this morning I have yielded I have yielded to the enticement of the enemy how many others this morning probably Seven or eight have lifted their hand. How many others this morning? I have yielded to the enticement of the enemy. All right, as your head is still bowed and your eyes still closed today, how many of you this morning would would lift your hand and you would you would be saying with an uplifted hand, the devil is really working overtime in this area in my life right now, and I need prayer that I will have the strength to resist the enticements of the enemy. If that's you this morning, let me see your hand. Hands going up everywhere.
hands going up everywhere. Whether you uh, raised your hand on the first question or the second, either one this morning, I want you to step out from where you are this morning and come to the front and stand before before uh, the Lord this morning at the altar day. Come on, everybody, you lifted a hand. Come on down, whether you lifted it for the first or the second. Nobody knows which one you did. And those that care, they should have lifted their hand anyway.